there is the time, um, especially when you get to that transitional labor where it gets hard. But what I have found in supporting individuals is that when they actually surrender to this and have that idea of, I can't control what is happening as far as my body goes, but I can get into a rhythm. And, and that even flows in itself with nature. Hello, and welcome to The Deeper Podcast, a podcast all about living lives that unleash courageous love in small and big ways. I'm Reverend Sean, one of your hosts, and today on the podcast, we speak to Sarah Lopez and Vita Malama, who are both trained doulas. They speak about their experience accompanying people through the birthing process and how that relates to the intersection of rage, grief, and goodness, which has been what we've been exploring in this series. The conversation that Gretchen has with Sarah and Vita speaks openly about birth, labor, and child loss. Thus, the conversation may be difficult or triggering to some. It's also a very healing conversation with a focus on the transformation of grief and pain that accompanies labor into growth, resilience, and a connection to the very beauty and essence of life. But we wanna offer this content for me because it may not be the right conversation for you today. I'm gonna to turn it over to Reverend Gretchen to introduce Sarah and Vita. When we thought about who the right guests were for this final conversation, we thought immediately about midwives, those who bear witness to the experience of birth. Because the time we are living in feels like we are going through a, a birthing process, a process of trying to live into an entirely new world. And it's really painful. And we're not sure what to do with ourselves. And so we thought maybe we would turn to those who companion uh, people as they are giving birth to hear what wisdom they have for people who are going through all the throes of birth pains as we are in our world today. We went looking for midwives, but actually we ended up with two doulas, Vita Malama and Sarah Lopez. Their whole job is to hold space and to bear witness to the experience. And so their lessons and wisdom come out of what it takes to bear witness and to hold space for others. As you're listening, hearing them describe that process of bearing witness and holding space for a person who's birthing, who's going through labor, we invite you to reflect on the lessons it has for us as we are holding space, making space for ourselves and for others and for the larger we, this world, for life itself to give birth to this new world that we long for? What does their wisdom have to offer us about how we can practice and how we can hold and how we can help this transformation come into being? Let's listen. I am Sarah. I am a uh, birth and postpartum doula. I have been for about seven years. Currently, my emphasis is on families with substance use disorders or that are affected by substance use. I am Vita Malama. I am also a doula since um, 2017. I volunteered at the Denver Health Doula Program and was where I met Sarah. She is also the one who trained me. So it is so lovely to share this space. Thanks so much. I've been describing you as midwives. What is a doula and what's the difference between a doula and a midwife? The very simple and high level view of what a doula is, 
when it comes to birth, a doula would do continuous emotional, informational, and physical support during labor and delivery. And there are different types of doulas. Sarah mentioned being a postpartum doula as well. Midwives and clinical professionals, if you will, have the authority to actually catch the baby. We do not do that. There's other things we don't do, but I will spare you those details. (laughs) And like Vita said, we're more physically, emotionally supportive more than um, like a midwife is more medically or even an OBGYN or doctors more medically supportive. So I always say that doulas are up here and midwives and doctors are down here. <laughs> like literally where you position yourselves in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder when I talk to you about these ideas of rage, grief, goodness, where does your heart and mind go first amongst those? And what questions do you bring about those feelings and experiences. When we talk about rage and grief and goodness, the grief I can understand and the goodness I can understand, those are both two huge parts of who I am. But rage was really hard for me to understand in this context because I don't consider myself a very rageful person. I think um, my heart tends to quickly go to the goodness in things and find the goodness in people and, and the goodness in the world and every activity. So rage was really hard for me to connect with, but in discussions and talking about it more and, and, and the way you put it, rage is losing yourself in that anger. And so I really thought about that. And when you think about the way those three are so incredibly connected, <clears throat> you really can, almost can't have one without the other. You can't really have rage without loving something so much that you're passionately angry about it and can lose yourself in that anger. You can't have grief without loving it, having loved it first and having to lose it. And again, love is just connected to all of those things. So I have not given birth, but I have been present with people I love as they've given birth. And I have gone through the process of becoming a mother, which is its own kind of time of pain and transition. It's interesting to me that, that you both kind of struggled with that question of rage in that to me, the experience of birth as I witnessed it, is about a fundamental process of losing yourself in your body and in your, in the experience, not rage per se, but an experience that is so all consuming that you have to then find yourself through it, that it's automatic. You can't go back through the transformation you're in it. What from the experience of birth would you say connects And what does birth have to teach us about this experience of losing yourself in the midst of these feelings? Hmm. Birth is one of those things that when it's, when it's happening, it's going to happen. There's when you, when you start labor and you start going through that process and that process of birth, or or even from the moment of pregnancy, your life is going to be forever changed. And there's no turning back, especially once you start labor, you can't, at the end of it or in the middle of it, say, never mind, I don't want to do this anymore. You're, you have to do it. You have to go through the change. You have to go through the process. No matter how painful it is, no matter how much it hurts, no matter um, <clears throat> how much pain you're experiencing, watching somebody you love go through pain, um, <clears throat> whatever it is, there's no going back. You have to push through that pain. And there is a transformation that comes forward. I think the thing that attracts me to doula work, <clears throat> probably more than anything, 
my favorite thing about doula work is that moment that child is born and the look on the parent's face. And I've been experiencing that even when we knew the child wasn't going to live in the, or the child was born um, already passed. It's still a beautiful moment on the parent's face to see their child and see that transformation and watch how everybody in the room just changes in that moment because the whole world changes in that moment. A whole new life has been brought into this world and everything's changed and there's no going back. You are forever a different person, physically, emotionally, mentally, you are forever a different person. There is the time, um, especially when you get to that transitional labor where it gets hard. It's, especially if it's, you're doing a natural vaginal delivery and if it's your first time that this is happening, especially if it's not at all what you envisioned this to be. And that is the case, I would have to say 99% of the time. It's never what you envision. But what I have found in supporting individuals is that, you know, when they actually surrender to this, and have that idea of, I can't control what is happening as far as my body goes, but I can get into a rhythm. And, and that even flows in itself with nature and the surroundings that you're in. And those are you, so you have like some of the areas of goodness and that even the, the piece about, you know, some people call them surges, some people call them contractions, but as that is moving up into the height of your pain, you have little breaks of rest and grace. And that's the other piece too. Some people don't get a chance to experience that because they're so caught in the moment that it's like, wow, you know, you, you, there are places. And then you have like the quiet before the storm, before you actually push. Like there comes a point in your labor and delivery where there's nothing. So, and then you have, then you get an opportunity to push. And of course, like I said, it's, it's part of the vaginal, you know, delivery and not everyone get a chance to experience that. And that's a whole nother aspect of it as well as, like you said, losing control and surrendering to that. One of the reasons I wanted to talk with you is to think about the ways that the experience of birth is, there's a parallel to what we are all experiencing collectively right now at a social cultural level. So part of what you said reminded me of, you know, this time we're living in, none of us had a plan for. People often make plans for birth or for being a parent. (laughs) And maybe some small percentage of them actually work out. What, what helps do you think? What helps in the moment and what wisdom do you offer to the people you companion i think vita said it great giving into the experience letting go surrendering okay but it like yeah good good words but then you're in the middle of it yep what in your body what do you teach people to do how do you do that surrendering is really about stopping and recognizing where you are at that moment and focusing on what you can control in that moment. Sometimes it may not be much and sometimes it might be a whole lot, but it's stopping and thinking about what are my choices and what can I control right now in this moment? If you're lucky enough, who is around me that can help me get through this? Where's my partner? Where's my doula? Where's my doctor? Who can I pull from right now to give me the things that I can't give myself? Sometimes we need to just stop 
And it's easy to say just surrender, but really stop and think about what that means and where you can pull from, what information do you know, what choices do you know that you have, and where can you go to find what are my other choices? Another thing we really teach a lot in doula work is it's okay to say no. If somebody comes in and says, hey, we need to do this procedure, it's okay to say, well, what if I say no? What are my choices? And I think, again, surrendering is really stopping and not just... I'm going to say no because I want to say no and I don't want to do that. But what are what happens if I say no or what are my other choices so that maybe I don't say no yet, but what are my other choices? It's okay to acknowledge that you're in pain. And I've been in those rooms where people are like, why? Or I'm so disappointed. Like people have actually said those words. And as you're on the outside looking in and you're like, wow, but you know, we're, we're here and we have to go through it. And so it's almost like a form of lament and that that's okay. So my mentor had reminded me, she's like, yeah, when you're in times like that, you know, lament is really good. And I forgot all about, I was introduced to lament before COVID and I was like, I didn't even know what that was, but I was like, wow, this is really neat to cry out and say, you know, this stinks. This is not what I expected. And I'm having a really difficult time. And then going to that place that you can get comfort and peace. Oh, I love the idea of birth as lament. I don't know if y'all have talked about that before, but that, no, that was great. That's actually really, that's so that was great. right on. So lament is this crying out for the sake of crying out. It's not crying out so that the problem can be fixed. It's a true giving voice to the pain and that the giving voice in and of itself is like, that's the point. I want to go back to what you said about missing the rest, because I think there's something really connected to that, what you just said, and that only in giving in to the pain, then you're really present. So then when the pain lifts, you could be present to that too. And I never even, I never really thought about that, about birth, that there could be a way you could miss the rest. Mm. because you aren't experiencing the pain. If you lose yourself so much and that it, it kind of does happen where you're just so like, this is not what I wanted. And I just want to get this baby out. That is when it, that's us trying to take back that control. But the process truly is a beautiful process. It's like, wow. Like, you know, it goes in waves. It's about going with the flow and knowing that in your experience there is pain and there's challenges and the the things that we don't want to feel but there's also bouts of rest that's there if we if we allow it to be there when we're getting to that very end of of birth those contractions are coming and going and you're really only getting about a minute in between each contraction but it can feel like forever and Usually the laboring person, especially as we get close to the very, very end, they'll fall asleep for that minute. They'll just be knocked out. And if they're having a moment where they're like, I just had a contraction and I, you know, oh my gosh, and this is happening. And, and I feel like for me as a doula, it's really important that I focus on my client at that moment. And really you've got one minute, take this break. And I, I always say, give yourself the break you deserve. You've been working so hard. You've been, this has been so difficult for you. Give yourself this break that you deserve. Close your eyes, catch your breath, 
And usually by then it's time for the next one. And then we're doing another one. There comes this moment right before it's time to push. Like they don't have a contraction for a few minutes. It's like your body just naturally knows I need a break. If you really want to get me to go push this baby out right now. So usually there is a little bit of a five minute break or so before it's time to start pushing and it's okay. Give yourself the break that you deserve because you're still going to have a baby. There's almost always a point where it's, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And then it's like, oh yeah, you're almost done. Sometimes in the beginning, you know, when you, they're just getting started and they're like, oh yeah, no, I need an epidural. I can't do this. Then you're like, okay, that's one thing. But when they've been working so hard and they're so tired and you just, you can just see it in your face. It's a different kind of, I can't do this anymore. And then it's like, whoop, yep, this is happening. Let's go guys. Baby's coming. It's also a time where I want to say to them, but you've been doing this. You are doing this. This is happening. Look how hard you're working because it's so easy to forget and get lost in your pain or, you know, get lost in your anger and your rage that you forget that you are doing this. You are making a difference. You are pushing this baby out. So sometimes the moment you want to give up the most is just when it's about to be over. I think we all can get to that point in life more globally. And the question of, should I just give up? Well, I love this advice of, but you like, you actually are already doing the work. Mm -hmm. You're already doing the thing that you're not sure you can do. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's so, it's so beautiful and so relevant to um, so many of us, including keeping going in the 19,000th month of the pandemic. Yeah. Right. And, and again, if you need to give yourself a break, give yourself that break you deserve, but then you have to go right back to it because it's not going anywhere. You still have to do this. It's not going anywhere. One of the things that I learned personally as a doula is like to hold the space. Mm-hmm. And that holding of the space happens way before you get in the, in the throes of labor and delivery. So you're holding that space because it is something that's sacred and you don't want to take that away, that experience away by planting seeds of, oh, this is how it's going to go. It truly is a gift. And it also points to the sacredness of life. This new creation of life to the world has this ripple effect. It's just contagious. You want other people to experience it as well. I wonder how for, for either of you, what has that experience of, you know, many times holding that space how has that changed you? And what has it taught you about grief? Mm. Even though like that may not be the thing I, you'd think we'd, you'd be learning. The word doula, you talked about how it works in birth. It's holding that space for that person, meeting them where they're at and giving them security, allowing them to feel secure and safe in the situation that they're in. But I have quite often used the word doula as a verb and you can actually doula something. Death doulas are now a thing. It's it's a doula who shows up at a time of death and, and supports um, the person dying, but also the family around them to make sure that everybody feels safe and, and comfortable and supported. But even I've doula people through everything. I, I have a friend who calls me all the time. I need you to doula me through this. And she just needs me to hold space for her, just somebody to listen to her, see where she's at, see her where she's at, allow her to be heard, allow her to be felt, and just just let her talk through it, whatever that means. Really, anybody can be a doula in pretty much any moment because it's really just about meeting somebody where they're at and allowing them to be who they need to be in that moment 
and hold that space for them. Sometimes it's not pretty, especially when you're talking about things or grief or in the thick of birth when they're, they're crying and they're, you know, fluids everywhere and everybody's a hot mess. As a doula, one of the things that, you know, you get really excited about is this is a very sacred space and a sacred event. I learned that it's not mine. It belongs to this person in whatever form that comes in. And you know, in, in the birth world, there's all sorts of movement shifts, like, let's do it natural. Let's have a C-section. Let's do, you know, and it's like, <laughs> you know, we need to just take a step back and let it be what it needs to be for that person, mm-hmm. especially for people who are terrified of having a cesarean. And most of the time when people do like kind of meditate on having a cesarean or not having a cesarean end up having a cesarean and that is very sad because then they're grieving that process that they didn't have the birth that they envisioned and holding that space as a postpartum doula as well is like wow how did how just being there and sitting there and you know in addition to not only your body having to heal from that but now you have to take care of a baby 24 hours today (laughs) I have two things that I I notice in what you're saying. First of all, I think what you were saying earlier about the surrendering process, that a lot of that was about like a radical acceptance of reality as it is, right? Just really being present. So, and I think that's kind of, that's what you're getting to here too, is this like really accepting. And that the thing that prevents the experience is actually when you're trying to fight what is actually happening. But with that, what you're describing in your role is that you are modeling a radical acceptance of what is too. And that you, that holding space is you're showing them that, that, that what is, is acceptable and accepted. And that no matter what that is, is <laughs> it's okay. And that you can take it and that, that it's okay. As I'm thinking about my, my birth, the first one in particular, I can remember like when that pain hit and through a few contractions, I like literally was like knocking myself in the head because I just could not, I couldn't process it. And my husband is sitting there and he's like, don't do that. And I'm like, that is so not helping me right now. Cause I need to hit myself in the head because this does not make sense to me. Like this is beyond. And so, you know, years later as a doula, I remember being at a birth and this person was, I don't even think it was violence because they, I mean, but they were mad, very mad about how this was going and very aware, like wanted to demonstrate that they were mad, like in how they were walking around, the screaming, the yelling at the provider. And I was getting ready to leave my shift and something was like, this person is really having a hard time. Like, even though this is not usually what we see, they're having a hard time. The person ended up throwing up and I walked over and held, held her hair as she was like, and everybody else was just, and I'm just like, clearly we weren't going to just let this person do that. Like, just like, oh, you're on your own because you're not handling it the way that we think you should handle it. And so the next day I was called back in to kind of help with reset. And she remembered me. She was like, you're back. You're here again. I was like, yeah, it's part of what I do. And she said, thank you so much for holding my hair. And I just, 
I never thought in a million, because I didn't even expect her to remember me, but that's how crazy like labor and delivery is. It's like, you remember the kindness. You remember the kindness that happens. The other things you're just like, you remember those things too, but like, how do you want to bless that person in that time? How do you want that person to remember that moment? Do you want them to remember not being received in, in, in their authentic self? Or do you just want them to say, oh, I remember this kindness. And immediately after she had thrown up and she noticed like, here is a touch. And that's another thing that doulas do as well. Once that touch happens, there's a transformation like no other, like that you see that you're like, I'm here to help. I mean, I know that you're in beast mode right now, but I'm here. Calm down. Take it easy. And it's, it's a magical thing to see as a doula as well. I've showed up to births where there was plenty of other support, um, but they still felt like they needed a doula because they just needed somebody there that made them feel safe. So they know that I'm not a doctor or that I'm not a nurse, but most of the time you're in labor, there's not a doctor or a nurse or a midwife there with you. So it can feel very, very lonely because you don't really know what's happening. You don't really understand what's going on. And so I have attended births where I pretty much sat in the corner and did nothing the whole time, but I gave them that feeling of safety because they knew that I would let them know if they had something they need to worry about. Just having that, that space. If, if you're doing something wrong or something isn't right, I'll give you that encouragement to call who we need to call. So sometimes, and then I walk out like, no, oh, I didn't even do anything. And oh, we're so glad you were here. Thank you. We couldn't have done it without you. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I sat in the corner, but you're welcome. I'm so glad I could be here for you. And I think it's just that, that holding space, that kindness, the willingness to show up and be an extra pair of eyes for somebody and kind of hold them together when they feel like they want to fall apart it makes a, a huge difference for people. I love the image, Sarah, of you're like in a corner and everything's happening somewhere else. It's not what I, I might expect of your role, but I can absolutely imagine it and see the value in it because it's just the, the power of bearing witness in that there's, there's someone who, who really saw the whole of what happened. And I think that's really powerful, even if you're never quote unquote needed, just the, just the experience of having born witness. I feel like so much of our lives, you know, the real parts of our lives, they happen unnoticed. And so I think just the power of your bearing witness to these stories that are so intimate and, and transformational is really it's such, it's such a holy act. Mm. I, I wonder about if there's ever been a moment in your time where it became too much for you, mm. where you hit a point where you weren't sure if you could be in the experience and what was that like for you? I can think of two verse where I thought, maybe I don't know if I can do this. One, she was probably my second or third client. They were from another country. English was their second language. This was their first child. She was actually a midwife in her other country, but this was not a first world country. So she was very afraid of, of Western hospitals. So here I am, this doula, I'm barely attending my second or third birth. And I'm walking into this birth for this midwife. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do for this? What am I going to do for these people? And then she started labor and she was 10 minutes apart for about 30 something hours. She just could not get past 10 minutes apart. So there wasn't enough time for her to actually rest and get any kind of sleep. 
because it was just like constant laboring for her. And I was with her at her house the whole time. At one point, other neighbors came down and made a meal and her and her husband and I sat and ate. And I was just like, what am I, like, what is happening right now? But she insisted that we all said eat, she was fine. I was with them for a total of three days. And I definitely hit points where I thought I can't do this. Am I any good for this family anymore? Because you know, she's the one laboring, but I'm running pretty thin here. I'm being stretched pretty thin. And so that was a difficult time for me. But in the end, not that I would recommend anybody stay with a laboring person for three days if they can help it. I definitely probably should have called somebody in to at least give me a break. But in the end, it was beautiful and wonderful. And her family was calling and her sister said to me, you were just like a big sister for her. And I was like, oh, and as a big sister, oh my heart, thank you so much. Like, That was pretty beautiful and wonderful. And then my first birth going into it that I knew the baby wasn't going to live. Didn't know if I could do it. But as a mother who's lost a child, I felt like it was really important for me to be with that person in the moment. Sarah, I feel like it would be important to share just a little about that with people about that experience so that then people have a context for when you just shared that. David was my first child. I had him when I was 20 years old. His father was not in the picture, so he was all mine. And I was very proud of that. When he was three and a half years old, he started doing some things like walking funny, things that just looked off. I I took him to one emergency room. They did a brain scan that was just the top one. They didn't find anything, so they sent us home. And that was on Monday. On Saturday, he was worse. He was hardly even able to hold himself up. And so somebody else said to me, you need to take him to Children's Hospital. They won't let you leave until they know what's wrong with him. So on Saturday, I took him to Children's Hospital. They went ahead and admitted us. Sunday morning, they did the MRI. Monday, they told us that he had a brain tumor that was on his, the back of his brain that it was connected and wrapped around his spine and that it was inoperable. For that reason, it was inoperable. And the doctor said that it, it was just growing so incredibly fast that if we could put it right in front of us, we could just watch it grow. And then he passed away the following Saturday. So it was very, it was a very, very quick process. And I think, you know, I was a baby myself. I was 23 years old. I was the only parent to this child. But I think, again, grief happens in so many different ways. Sean here. Sarah's now going to return to speak about that birth the first birth where she knew the mother was going to give birth to a child who is no longer living. Going through the whole entire process, we thought she was going to be incarcerated at the time she was going to go into labor. And they actually released her that morning and she went into labor later that afternoon. But even more so, I felt like I needed to be with her in that time and in that moment so she could have somebody that could see her in that moment um, of grief. But there were definitely moments where I thought, can I do this? Can I go in there and be present with her when I can so completely understand the grief that she's going through? Am I going to be able to support her or am I going to lose it and not be a good support for her? But again, I stuck it out. And truthfully, it is was one of the most beautiful births I've ever been at. The hospital was amazing. The staff was amazing. And to witness something like that actually was quite beautiful in its own way. I think that I have come to understand the grief process so well. And because of my heart as a doula, I, I, I very felt in my heart, I needed to be there for her in that moment. I needed, she needed me. Even if she didn't know she needed me, even if she cared less whether or not I was there, 
I know that she needed me. I think my empathetic heart and understanding the loss of a child, like I was called to be that person. I think bearing witness to all those things where a huge part of my empathy comes from and the understanding that we don't all grieve the same. It's really given me this level of understanding with grief that I think I would never, ever, ever wish it on anybody, but I wish everybody could understand what I understand. Hmm. The reason I became a doula and do what I do is because I, I recognize that we are all so incredibly different and come from different backgrounds and different things are going on in our lives to walk into any situation, especially something as fragile as birth and expect people to respond a certain way or act a certain way or things to turn out a certain way. It's just, it's not realistic. And I think that's what's so important about being a doula is holding that space for people where they are at, at that moment, no matter what that means. Thank you for sharing that story, Sarah. The piece I'm really holding on to is how in tune you are with human vulnerability, just how vulnerable we all really are and how that knowing that allows you to open your heart to, to anyone. Yeah. I so respect that and it's so value it. And I think it's, it's something we all can relate to because if we let ourselves, we all know that vulnerability too. And, and that is exactly what I wish I could get people to understand. Yeah. And, and I would never, ever wish the death of a child on my worst enemy, but I wish people could understand or even just for a moment, have some of that vulnerability and just understand. Thank you both so much for your time and for what you've offered to the community. Thank you. Thank you. I really hope we get to cross paths sometime in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. And blessings yes. in all your work and all your, all the birthing. <laughs> I receive it. <laughs> I want to thank both Sarah and Vita for the depth of their sharing and experience. I know as I was listening to the conversation for the first time and watching people during the Sunday experience, taking in the conversation, feel how moving it was, especially to be speaking about something that is often hidden or not brought into the center of our communal experiences, especially in multi-gendered spaces. It's really powerful to be able to do so. And so thank you to Sarah and Vita for what they offered us. As I listened to the conversation, I my mind was brought back to the experience of being a chaplain in the hospital. In this one particular moment, there was a code on one of the floors. One of the patients was going through a cardiac event. And I went into the room and found his partner sitting on the floor crying, watching the choreographed dance that is chaotic to those who outside the medical community unfold. I remember feeling this deep terror of not knowing what I should do. I mean, I couldn't help her husband. There's nothing in my chaplain arsenal that I could offer. And yet there I was. I, I walked over to her. She was sitting on the ground crying. And I just sat beside her and said, hi, I'm Sean. I'm one of the chaplains. Can I sit here? She said, yes. And I felt this pull to put my arm around her. Now that actually went against most of my personal conceptions of propriety, of, of space. And yet there was this deep human longing that I felt from her that even a stranger's compassionate presence was meaningful as she watched the medical team doing all that they could to 
save her husband's life. I don't know if she remembers me, but I remember her. I remember the power of simply being present, of holding space. It reminds me of the work of Henry Nouwen, a Dutch Catholic contemplative, who wrote this about listening. I actually think it applies beyond listening to all the ways that we encounter another. To listen is very hard because it asks of us so much interior stability that we no longer need to prove ourselves. True listeners no longer have an inner need to make their presence known. They are free to receive, to welcome, to accept. He continues, Listening is much more than allowing another person to talk while waiting for the chance to respond. Listening is paying full attention to others and welcoming them into our very beings. Listening is a form of spiritual hospitality by which you invite strangers to become friends, to get to know their inner selves more, and even to dare to be silent with you. True listening is welcoming another into our very being. So often, so often in the conversation, Sarah and Vita spoke about holding space, holding space for the birthing person, allowing whatever the reaction that they were having whether it be anger, fear, sadness, pain, whatever their experience, allowing that, making space for it, allowing them to have the experience they were having. Because it was that surrender to the experience, that affirmation that, yes, this is what is happening, that Sarah spoke about as the first step towards being able to move with it. That you couldn't, with so many situations, with birth, there's so much you can't control, but you can find the rhythm. As I was speaking, I was thinking about my own experience being a chaplain in a hospital. You walk into a patient's room and you could find someone that looked like your grandmother, looked like your sister, looked like your brother, facing a disease that you may not even have heard of or have a deep family history with. And in that moment where you're offering care, your own reactions are important your own thoughts, even your own perspectives aren't the most important thing. In fact, they hardly rate. The most important thing in that encounter is to be able to out to truly receive the experience that another is having without having your own stories, judgments, triggers, perceptions get in the way of truly receiving what that other person is saying. It requires us to be able to notice when our own stuff starts to rise up. I remember thinking to myself every time I asked a question or said anything, is the reason I'm saying this to prove that I'm smart or caring, or is it because this is what the other person needs to hear? You don't need to be a doula or a chaplain to be holding space for others. And so a challenge I'd, I'd love for you to take up in the next few weeks is look for opportunities in your daily life where you can practice cultivating that inner capacity that interior stability, so that you're able to allow another person's experience in. This doesn't mean that you're negating yourself, but that you're allowing yourself to embody a care of another person by letting go of what you thought was important or the control you wanted to have in a situation, your, your judgment. It's a practice of true radical acceptance of a moment in time, but most importantly, it showcases a radical acceptance of another being. 
which is the most transformative gift we can offer another. I'm going to offer this prayer to close us out. A meditation on the role of doer and doula that we all move through, flow through in our lives. Will you pray with me? Spirit of life and love, the world is always in need of the doers. People laboring to extend the reach of love, taking that next right step, doing what needs to be done. But this world is also in need of doulas, those who hold space for the doers, who tend to sacred spaces that allow another to enter and to feel their soul begin to relax and uncurl. Those people who embody a compassionate presence even under traumatic circumstances that invite souls to peek out of closet doors, to try on new ways of being, to feel able to do that hard thing that must be done. We need those doulas who radically accept us, not trying to change us, fix us, or set us straight, receiving every feeling that we have, allowing no reaction that we offer to be the wrong one. The doers and the doulas, one center stage, the other in the wings, both needed, both essential. For we are not made to do life alone. It is not weakness to need another, it is the very essence of humanness. To need to feel the radical acceptance of another. For we are so often caught up in our own lives. And need another to help tune us in through the pain, sweat, and confusion. To the deeper truths hidden like seeds in every moment, the seeds of love, of possibility, already pregnant, already present, already here. We need doers and doulas, for in each moment we may find ourselves as one or the other, one moment the doer in need of another, the next the doula, helping to bring into life the creation of another, offering a blessing of kindness, receiving another's authentic and whole self with love. Spirit of life, remind us when we encounter one another, to ask ourselves, who am I in this moment, the doer or the doula? Embolden us to ask for companionship when we need it. Embolden us to offer it. For resilience like birth, like so much of life, is truly a team sport. And so we close in gratitude. In gratitude for all those who have held space for us. We lift up their names in our hearts, offering thanksgiving and praise for their presence, for the love that they allowed to be born in us, through us, and with us. For all those people, for all the people yet to come, for all that we will touch with our kindness, we are grateful. Amen, and blessed be. Well, that wraps up our sixth episode of The Deeper Podcast. I want to thank all the people who financially support our work. It's because of your generosity that we're able to produce content like this, sharing interviews like this from Sarah and Vita with an audience far beyond the Sunday experience. If you don't already support our work financially, I invite you to consider doing so. This isn't about shame or guilt or obligation. We only want you to support us if when you think about our work, it inspires a feeling of generosity. If you have that experience of generosity within, I invite you to find a way to contribute to our work. A good place to start is going to foothillsuu.org give. There you'll find a menu of ways to contribute to our work. There are so many generations of foothills that have made what we're doing today in this digital era possible. 
and everyone who is supporting us now is making an investment in this work being there for a generation to come. And next week, we're diving into a new series called Essential. I mean, what is essential in our lives? How we so often get off track or distracted from the essence of what's most important. And how do we get back on track? It's a great series and I know you're going to love it. But until then, thanks for listening.